Today, I want to talk to you about a time of forgiveness, a time of forgiveness. How many of you, when you were growing up, your family had some Christmas traditions? Any of you have some, you know, year after year, you had some same old traditions in your family. How about now that you're an adult? How many of you have Christmas traditions as a family, things that you do every year, yeah, Christmas traditions? And I remember growing up in some of the Christmas traditions in the Cooper home, and in woke when I was growing up. Well, one of the traditions in the Cooper home was this. We opened our Christmas gifts Christmas morning. There was none of this Christmas Eve opening Christmas gifts. What, what are you talking about Christmas Eve? You know, there was none of this. We opened our gifts a week before Christmas, not in the Cooper house. We opened our gifts on Christmas Day. And and there was always a time set, you know, mom would say, hey, you can't come get us up until at least six in the morning. And you know how it is as a kid, man, you can't hardly sleep on Christmas Eve. You hardly sleep at all. And then you wake up, you know, about four in the morning after you slept about 30 minutes and you're excited and you're like, man, I got two more hours. Would it hurry up? And, you know, finally six o'clock comes. I don't care if daddy and mama are snoring. You go wake them up. Hey, it's time. You said six, get up. It's time to go open Christmas presents. And, and here is the way we open Christmas presents in the Cooper house. We all got under the tree, me, my brother, and my sister, and it was a free-for-all. I don't care what you got, and you don't have to care what I got. We just opened up our Christmas gifts, start slinging paper everywhere, and opened up as quick as we can, and started playing with our Christmas gifts. That was our Christmas tradition in the Cooper family. And then I got married to Tiffany, and our traditions changed. When I got married to Tiffany, we, when we first got married, we would go to Minnesota uh, to spend Christmas with a lot of her family. And, and, and when I say a lot of her family, understand it would be 30 or 40 people there. I mean, parents and, and grandparents and uncles and cousins, brothers, sister. I mean, there'd be 30, 40 people there. And, and the way they opened Christmas gifts, this was their tradition. So, so on, on Christmas morning, they would, first of all, divide all the Christmas gifts up and put your Christmas gifts at your feet. Now, I had never witnessed anything like this in my life. I'm thinking, it's, t- it's taking 20 minutes just to get the Christmas gifts out. What's up? I mean, what, what are you doing? You know, so they divide up all the Christmas gifts. You know, you, you know that first Christmas, you're just kind of watching, trying to figure out what these people are doing. And, and they got all the Christmas gifts divided up. And then they make an announcement like this. All right, we're going to open the Christmas gifts up one at a time. I'm thinking, okay, one at a time. All right. Everybody's going to take one and open it up. That's not what they meant. No, one person at a time. Youngest to oldest. I'm thinking about what? Okay, just this, oh surely this is going to be one round. This first, first, the first give one round. No, no, no. After round one, round two, and they always started with the youngest one. You know, you start with the little baby. You know, the baby's two years old. The baby don't have no attention span. The baby's playing with his first Christmas present. Hey, Christmas present two, baby. Open. You better open that Christmas present up. I'm gonna come open it for you. It's taking. It took half the day to open. You have to take a lunch break to open up Christmas. Yes, I've never experienced anything like that in my life. And, and one, one of the things that, that I do love about my wife's family and their Christmas tradition is they love to play games. 
And so they like to play the game Rook, and, and I love card games. As a matter of fact, I grew up, I'd go to a grandparents' house, and, and we would play bid whist. Anybody play bid whist? I will wear you out in some bid whist, man. I, I like bid whist. And man, so, so, so Tiffany's family, they, they're into games. I love games. We'll play games every Christmas. Sometimes we play board games. I like to play board games. And, and my absolute favorite board game is Monopoly. Come on, anybody ever played Monopoly before? Oh, man, I love Monopoly. I will eat your lunch in Monopoly. I will break you. I will take all the houses and the hotel and your money in the name of the Lord. That's right. I will do it to you. It's a Monopoly, man. I, I love Monopoly. And you may not realize this, that, that, that Monopoly is the most popular board game of all time. It's the most popular. Did, did, did you realize this? That there have been, since they've been keeping record, there have been over 275 million games sold. It, Monopoly is in, in 111 countries and in 43 different languages. And, and, and Monopoly, man, it's a popular game. The longest Monopoly game in, in, in the records that's ever been played is 70 days. It took 70 days to finish one Monopoly game. Do you know why? Because I wasn't playing. It won't take no 70 days. I will eat your lunch in two hours. I'll have all the money. It don't take no 70 days when you play me. That's why I took 70 days. I, I like Monopoly, Monopoly. Now, 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 when you play Monopoly, what are you? How many of you like to be the hat when you play Monopoly? Anybody like to be the hat? That's why, that's why you lose. You can't be the hat. You got to always be the race car, man. Be it gets around the board. Be the race car. Don't be the hat. That's why you losing, man. I love Monopoly. Now, 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 the thing that I hate about the game of Monopoly, there's one thing I don't like. You know what it is? I hate to go to jail. I do not like going to jail. And you know why? Because when I go to jail, I'm too tight to pay $50 to get out. I'm not paying $50 to get out of jail. And so I, I'm, I'm holding on to my $50. And you know you got, how it works. You got to roll three different times. You know, you roll the first time. If you don't get, the, if you, don't get it, you got to roll again. I mean, you, you could lose three different turns. And I do not like to go to jail. Because you know what? You know why? Because when I'm in jail, it just seems like somebody buys the property I want. You know, somebody goes and buys Boardwalk, and I want the expensive property. Don't be buying Boardwalk and, and Park, Park Avenue, man. Don't be buying, that's, that's my property. But when I'm in jail, I can't do anything about it. And I don't like going, you know, another reason I don't like going to jail is because, man, when you pass go, you can't collect your $200. Man, it eats me up, man, when I can't get my $200, you know, because I got plans for that $200. I do not want to go to jail. And then you know how it is. You always got to play with somebody who's going to talk trash. Uh huh. Go on to jail. Don't get your two. Go on to jail. You can't get your two hundred dollars. I'm about to knock you out. You know what I'm saying? You know how you play Monopoly and you get mad because you can't get your two hundred dollars and somebody is rubbing it in. It's at that time you got to say, Holy Spirit, take control, take control. That I don't hurt nobody right now, Lord. I mean, Monopoly. I love Monopoly. I love the game Monopoly. I hate going to jail. And you know what? When I think about the subject of forgiveness, I think about Monopoly. Because people who do not embrace forgiveness and do not give forgiveness go straight to jail. They live in an emotional prison. They live in jail. Everybody else is going around the board of life. Everybody else is enjoying life and they're locked behind bars. There's a quote that says, 
To forgive is to set a prisoner free and to discover that the prisoner was you. People get locked in jail. Forgiveness, forgiveness, forgiveness. I I want us to, to look at 12 verses of scripture as we examine the subject of forgiveness. Now, now pay attention. I'm going to read all 12 verses And these are very key verses about forgiveness. In Matthew chapter 18, verse 23 says, Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like, in other words, if you want to know what God thinks about forgiveness, if you want to know what the kingdom of heaven thinks about forgiveness, here it goes. Here's what it's like. The kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he, was, as he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 talents. Now, in today's economy, that would be somewhere uh, in the millions, even up to, as we were researching this, up to $20 billion. In other words, it's a lot of money he owes. 10,000 talents was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. The servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. Now, now, understand this. This, in today's economy, as we research this, is about $50, maybe up to $500. This one man owed billions, and somebody owed him $50. And it says, he grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, but be patient with me and I will pay you back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay back the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said, I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he could pay back all he owed. Now, this is the clincher verse. Check this out. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. What a powerful story on forgiveness. Now, 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 I could give you a lot of lessons from this one story. There are a lot of power-packed lessons in this portion of Scripture. But I've narrowed it down to three. And I want to give you three lessons about forgiveness from this story. Number, number one is this. Don't forget about your mistakes. Don't forget about your mistakes. The Bible says that this one man owed 10,000 talents. And, and as I said, in today's economy, that, that, that's around uh, millions or, or even billions of, of dollars. How many of you realize that this man has made some huge financial mistakes? I mean, when you get in billions of dollars of debt, you have made some bad decisions. You've made some bad financial mistakes. And the Bible says he was in such a hole that his master said to him, listen, man, you can't pay me back all this money right now. You don't have it. So what I'm going to do is sell you into slavery and your wife and your kids. I'm going to sell all your stuff until you can pay me back. I'm selling you. Can you imagine this? His wife, his kids. And when you owe a billion dollars, 
this man and his family could literally spend the rest of their life in slavery. The rest of their life trying to pay back this debt. I mean, this man may not be able to have a close relationship with his kids anymore. He may not be able to have a close relationship with his wife anymore because of this huge mistake. And so he goes and he says, please forgive me. Please forgive me. Have mercy on me. And you know what the master does? He says to him, you know what? Even though you owe me billions, I have mercy on you. And I forgive you of the entire debt that you owe me. And then the Bible says this, that, that he immediately went out and, and, and he ran into somebody who owed him $50. And he sees him and he said, man, where's my $50? I want my $50. You, you got my $50? I want my $50 now. You got it on you? You better have it on you. Where's my $50? And I mean, it's like he forgot. about all, He forgot about his billion that he owed. He forgot about his mistake. And he sees him, man, where's my $50? You got it on you, man? You don't have it on you? You got an ATM card? I want my money. I want my money. You got a check on you? I want my money. And it's like he forgot all about his huge mistake. Can I tell you, friends, what, what, this, what this parable teaches us? That, that, that we cannot forget that we've all made mistakes. Listen, we've all blown it big time. We've all messed up big time. And when we forget about our own mistakes, we become self-righteous. And friends, can I tell you, self-righteousness is a sick sin. You see, people who become self-righteous, they have a hard time remembering their own mistakes. But boy, they can sure quickly remember everybody else's mistakes. People who become self-righteous, oh, they can't remember their billion-dollar mistakes. But boy, they can sure remember your dollar mistake. You know what happens to self-righteous people? Because they forget about their own mistakes. They hold grudges against other people. They harbor unforgiveness. And they hold grudges over silly stuff. You ever mess somebody like that? They hold grudges over silly stuff. Self-righteous people do this. Hold grudges over silly stuff. I mean, they've been forgiven of lying and adultery and cheating and, and stealing and, and breaking up families and fighting. I mean, they've been forgiven of so much. People have forgiven them. But boy, because they, they're self-righteous, they forget about all that. And they hold grudges with people over silly stuff, over $50 stuff. You, you ever seen somebody, you know, well, you know, I don't talk to them anymore. I don't talk to them. Well, well, how come they looked at me wrong? You better not be looking at me like that. Really? Really, after all that they forgave you, now this 50, now you, you're self-righteous. You ever met somebody like that? They hold grudges at me. Well, our family doesn't talk to that family. Well, how come? Well, because they made me feel, they, I felt like, I felt like they said something about us. I just felt, I just can feel it. Oh, Really? Oh, okay, now you God, okay, you feel it, you feel. And, and, and they hold grudges over silly stuff. I'm not going back to that restaurant anymore. I'm not going back because I, I tell you, I ordered a Dr. Pepper and they brought me a Diet Coke. I'm not leaving no tip. I'm not going, you better get my order right. Oh, like you're perfect. Like you've never made a mistake before. And, and self-righteous people, they forget about their own, their own mistakes. And boy, they're sure quick to point out everybody else's mistakes. Hey, hey, man, hey, man, hey, man, hey, man, hey, don't you remember yesterday? You owed a billion dollars. Don't you remember all the mistakes? I mean, you're holding this over this guy for 50 Don't you remember your own mistakes? And it's like what the Bible says. You know what we do? We spend all of our time trying to get the speck out of our brother's eye when there's a big old honking plank in your own eye. Self-righteousness, self-righteousness, and this story teaches us, listen, don't forget your own mistakes. There's a second lesson that we learn from this story, and that is this. Unforgiveness is hard. 
Unforgiveness is hard. You hear people say it all the time, man, it's, I can't forgive that person. You don't understand what they've done to me. You don't know how bad they hurt me. You, you, you just don't know what I've been through. And you know what? Forgiveness is hard, but unforgiveness is harder. Unforgiveness is, is harder. People who won't forgive others have chosen a very hard life. And can I tell you, it's easy to spot somebody who has unforgiveness and bitterness and hatred. It's easy to spot somebody like this because it makes you hard. There's a guy that I run into about every week, and, and I see him, and don't know him personally, but I just speak to him. And, and he always gives me just cold response, you know. He always, hey, man, how you doing, man? He goes, sometimes he won't even respond to me. He says, hey, how you doing today? You know, he thinks he's hard and stuff, but you know what I'm thinking? Man, who hurt you? What are you carrying? Who done you wrong? What are you holding on to? What grudge do you have against somebody? What made you that hard? Because you see, unforgiveness is hard, man. It's, it's hard. It's easy to spot somebody carrying a grudge and carrying bitterness and carrying hatred because they lash out and they're mean and they're crass and they're rude and they're always trying to retaliate. They're always flying off the handle. Can I tell you, unforgiveness is hard. It's, it, it's hard. It reminds me of growing up in Wewoka. This is a true story, a street called Cedar Street in Wewoka. One man shot another man over a hot link sandwich. Now, I like hot links. I, li I like hot links. Hot links are good. But hey, bro, hey, bro, it's not that serious. Now, I don't have to have half of it. Have it all, bro. I don't want none. Take it. But unforgiveness is hard. It'll have you lashing out over a hot link sandwich. Unforgiveness is hard. The Bible says it like this in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 15 and 16. It says, see to it that no one misses the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. Don't let a bitter root grow up because, man, it'll cause trouble. Can I tell you, first of all, it'll cause trouble in your own life. It'll make you hard. I think about this story. Here this man has been forgiven of billions and he sees somebody who owes him $50 and he harbors unforgiveness and he lashes out. You know what the Bible says he does to this guy? He starts to choke him. I mean, seriously, over $50 and he's choking him. You better give it. Where's my money? Where's my $50? Because unforgiveness is hard. It'll put you in prison. It'll have you behind emotional bars. And he's choking this man, and this man, he, he, he cries for mercy. He says, man, please, man, I'll try to get you your $50 later. Have mercy on me, man. Will you show me patience? And the Bible says, he says this, no, no. And the Bible says he threw the man in prison, in jail. He put somebody else in jail because of his own unforgiveness. I don't care if you got a wife. I don't care if you got a kid. I don't care. You go to jail till you give my $50. Unforgiveness is hard. It's hard. It puts you in jail and it damages and hurts so many relationships. Don't let a bitter root grow in your life because it will cause trouble in your life and in, li in the life of others. Th there's a third thing that I want you to see, a third thing, and that is this. A third lesson is don't forget the grace God has extended to you. 
You see, if you want to live a life of forgiveness, you have to remember how God has forgiven you. You see, the key to extending grace to others is first you have to experience and you have to embrace God's grace in your own life. You have to embrace it. You have to embrace it. That's why the Bible says in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 13, bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. How? Forgive as the Lord forgave you. You see, friends, you can't give what you haven't received. I'm going to say it again. You can't give what you haven't received. You can't do it. And some of you today, you haven't forgiven other people because you've never embraced and received God's forgiveness in your own life. And boy, it's hard to give something that you've never experienced. And it's hard to give something that you've never received. And so people walk around in a prison. Prison of sin, a prison of bondage, a prison of anger, a prison of hostility. Because they've never experienced God's grace in their own life. You know what I like about the Monopoly game? Is when you go to jail, there's this card that you can have. It's called a get out of jail free card. And I love that card. Because when you tell me I got to go to jail because I landed, you know what? I'm not going to jail. Get out of free jail card. I'm free. And can I tell you what Jesus did? The son of God came on that Christmas day. He was born through a virgin Mary and lived a perfect and a sinless life. And he died on the cross of Calvary for my sins and your sins. And he rose again on the third day with all power in his hands. And you know what Jesus wants to do to you today? He wants to give you a get out of jail free card. Sir, you don't have to live in your sin anymore. You don't have to live in bondage anymore. You don't have to live in hatred anymore. I paid the price. Place your faith and your trust in me and I will give you a get out of jail. You can't do this for yourself. I've already paid the price. Get out of jail free. Card. That you don't have to live in prison anymore. And friends, can I, can I, can I tell you? When you experience God's forgiveness, don't ever forget it. Don't ever forget what the Lord has done for you. Because if you will remember how much God has forgiven you, it makes it so much easy, easier to, to, to forgive others. If you can remember your billion-dollar mistakes, it's so much easier to forgive somebody of their hundred-dollar mistakes towards you. And can I tell you how much we've hurt God, how much we've disappointed our Heavenly Father, how much we have sinned and messed up? Our sin towards our Heavenly Father can't compare to how much somebody else has hurt us. Our sin, week after week, is billions of dollars worth throughout our life. And it can't compare to somebody's $100 mistakes, even $1,000 mistakes and sin towards us. Because God has forgiven us so much, we need to forgive other people. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Can I tell you what some of you need to do this Christmas season? Is you need to go to your spouse and give them a get out of, free, get out of jail free card. And say our marriage has been locked up for years but I forgive you. Some of you need to go to a child, a child to a parent, and say, you know what? I give you a get-out-of-jail-free card. I forgive you. Our relationship's been locked up for years. Some of you need to go to a cousin, an aunt, an uncle, and you're mad and you're bitter. You say, you know what? I'm not living in prison anymore. I'm not going to keep you in prison anymore. It's a get-out-of-jail-free. Somebody need to go to a boss 
an employee, a coworker, because there's tension at the office and you don't like each other. And everybody knows, and you say, you know what? You know what? You know what? You know what? Here's a gift. I didn't see how free card. Because God has forgiven me of so much. I can forgive you for what you've done to me. This Christmas season is a time of forgiveness.